Everyone struggles with fear, anxiety, depression, addiction, or some emotional issue. But what if I told you that you could exchange that life for one of victory? Are you interested? My name is Mark McKinn, and I'm joined with Dr. John Woodward. And together, we want to guide you into a complete and victorious identity in Christ. Our desire is for everyone to know Christ as Savior, Lord, and life, so that you can live victoriously, disciple strategically, and counsel effectively. Welcome to Glimpses of Grace. Welcome, everyone, to episode number six. Good afternoon, Dr. John. How are you doing today? Great, Mark. So glad we can launch this new series today. Yeah, I'm really excited. And before we jump in, I want to welcome some people and uh, listeners from the United States of America. That's where we're located, and that's always amazing. But how about this? Now listeners from Canada, Ireland, Germany, United Kingdom, Mexico, Australia, and the Dominican Republic. So welcome to everyone. No matter where you're listening, we're so glad that you are tuned in today. We had our Exchange Life Counseling Workshop last week, Mark. That was so encouraging, wasn't it? It was very encouraging. In fact, people from uh, different places around our country who came in for four days of training, talk a little bit about what we covered there. It explains the Exchange Life model in a very practical way, doesn't it, Mark, where we kind of marinate in the message for those four days, and we talk about how to share the message of Christ as our life in a way that really helps people understand that the resources that God has given us by His grace really are relevant for overcoming life-controlling problems. So we had a really amazing time together. And we'll have another one of those coming up this summer. So if you're interested in learning how to use uh, some of these Exchange Life principles that we talk about, you can go to our website and find the next workshop date that will be this summer located here in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Sign up, and uh, you'll be blessed by it, no doubt. I just sent a follow-up email to some who are Luther Rice Seminary students, and that school based in the Atlanta area has online degree programs, including one in Exchange Life Counseling. And we're always excited that some of them will choose our track for their practicum requirement for their master's degree. So one of those, Mark, you may recall, a lady from England originally said that she'd be telling her friends back in the UK about the podcast. That's true. That's true. You know, also, it's not just Luther Rice students that are signing up for the workshop, but we're having a lot of pastors do that as well because it's allowing them just another tool in their tool belt as they are counseling people within their church. And it's also relevant for those who simply want to be a friend to those who are struggling. Um, We all need a helping hand, don't we? We all can benefit from what we might call coffee cup counseling, where we're sharing with a friend. And one of the participants, Mark, you recall, is someone who's been through our counseling, and then she has come to the workshop, and while she was practicing with the partner assigned to her during the workshop, that person had such a breakthrough, she said with tears, that this was one of the best weeks of her life. So here's an example of someone who um, is a, we would call a lay person, being equipped to help others and seeing God really use His Word in people's lives, even during our our workshop experience. It's amazing to me. And it seems like every time that we do one of these events that people will come really with the expectation of learning, but then leave saying they were transformed. And that's what the power of God can do. There's something really special where 
we can have the Word of God, the people of God, and the Spirit of God just um, really central to several days of really delving into what it means to experience God's grace in our lives. So we just give thanks for that opportunity. You mentioned being excited about a new series, and today we're launching into a new four-part podcast study where we're going to dive into our crucifixion, our burial, our resurrection, and our ascension, especially as we are moving toward Easter. Tell us a little bit about what we can look forward to. Well, Mark, as you share week by week that we're talking about how to appropriate a complete and victorious identity in Christ, we want to look at the foundational topic that our identity flows out of our identification. When we talk about our co-death with Christ, our co-burial, our co-resurrection, our co-ascension, these are profound biblical theological topics, but we're going to also talk, Mark, about how they're very practical, aren't they, in terms of how when we understand what the Bible teaches about this, it's the dimension of the gospel, which it seems that many haven't really explored. That's so true. Well, before we jump in, give us a word for today. Well, when we talk about the cross, often we think primarily of how our Lord died there for us and rose again, and that's central to the gospel. But we also are seeing that the cross has an additional dimension, which we're going to explore today. And we often quote Galatians 2.20, don't we? Mm -hmm. Where Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I read recently of someone who visited Holland and noticed that one of the churches there had a a large cross and the chimes of the church were located in the cross. And the devotional writer said, when we understand the fuller meaning of the cross, there is a new song. There's a a reason to praise God that's going to flow from that experience. And we pray that as we delve into this profound topic of our identification with Christ, that we'll have a new song as well. That's so good. Well, let's jump in. And we hear almost every week, if we attend church, of the death of Jesus, that Jesus died for us. One of the things, however, that we're not hearing a lot in church is that we died with him. So let's talk a little bit about our crucifixion. What do we mean by that statement? I think many times when people think about the cross in the life of the believer, they think of going through hard times. Like, I have such a hard job at work dealing with my supervisor, that's just a cross I'll have to bear, for example. But it's more than just going through hard times. The essence of the cross is really how the old identity that we had in Adam was canceled. And we're going to unpack that more biblically. And we're going to see that, as you mentioned, we're not minimizing the primary meaning that Christ died for us and rose again. Hallelujah. Uh, What a Savior. But in terms of the victorious Christian life, we're going to see the Bible does clearly teach that spiritually and positionally, the believer in Christ was crucified with them. And we're going to explore the mystery and significance of that together. Because several times in the New Testament, Paul's going to say, very clearly. And in fact, I'm looking at one right now, Colossians 3, 3, where he writes, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And so we see that very clearly, not just in Galatians 2, 20, uh, but we see that as well in um, here in Colossians 3, 3, that we, that is the old man 
has died. So let, let's dive in. You mentioned jumping into this a little bit more uh, biblically. Let's do that. What, tell us a little bit more about that. Well, one thing that caused us to do a double take, Mark, in Colossians 3, verse 3, it's, it's past tense, for you died. Reminds me of a pastor who actually went to a Christian leader um, who told about this conversation they had. And this pastor was delving into our topic today, but he was saying, I really need to learn how to be crucified with Christ. And the leader said, well, let's read Colossians 3.3. 3. And turns out, Mark, he had to read it more than once. And finally, I think it was the third time reading it, uh, he realizes it's past tense. Right. And also in the same context, verse 9 says, you have put off the old man. So in Romans 6, verse 6, here in Colossians 3, the death of the old man is past tense. And we're going to see this is not only significant biblically and theologically, but it's really significant in terms of us having that complete and victorious identity. Yeah, and I think it's, it's maybe we hear it's good to say, because I think for a lot of people, you know, when you're talking about the past tense, they believe it's something that they have to do. And I remember one time, and this really helped me, you know, because for example, Ephesians 5, 1 that says we're to be imitators of Christ. And and for years, I just sort of thought, of course, even with the WWJD bracelet, like I had to figure out how to do this. And it really set me free when I realized that really what that word meant was follower, be a follower, not an imitator. And then the other part that really brought this into line is that I've been called to participate and cooperate with Christ. And and when you think about it from that perspective, right, it's so much easier to participate and cooperate with Christ than it is to try to be him because I can't. And so I love the fact that you're bringing up this truth that the power that we have in this is something that has been done by the power of Christ. It's not something that I'm having to get a, a hammer and nail out and, and try to get myself to, you know, basically crucify myself as I'm listening. So there's the past tense aspect, Mark, and also the present tense. So if we compare this to our salvation experience, we came to the point of discovering the good news that Jesus died about 2,000 years ago, was buried, and was victoriously raised from the dead. And we appropriated that, or we received him as our personal Savior by faith. And similarly, for the abundant life, it's parallel, isn't it, Mark, that Mm -hmm. we discovered that who we were in Adam, spiritually and positionally, that got crucified with Christ and buried. That's past tense. And yet, the aspect for today is that we need to discover that and believe it, right? Yeah. Your, your being a Christian makes inevitable a crucified life, right? And in fact, you know, a book that we have, and it's, it's such a great tool, written by F.J. Hugel, and it's entitled Bone of His Bone. And this book really helped me when I was trying to learn more about this. And in fact, F.J. Hugel, he writes, we must choose what is already potentially our position before God, that is, identification with the cross of Christ. Um, And he says, we must, on the basis of the cross and our oneness with Christ in death, refuse the old life. F.J. Hugel was a missionary to Mexico and was really living this victorious life as he shared more about this theme, Mark. And uh, we just encourage all of our listeners to check out this book, Bone of His Bone, very profound. And as he talked about that, he does bring out the accomplished aspect of the cross, but also the implications for today. I know that before the broadcast, we were talking about some of the wonderful 
uh, implications of being co-crucified with the Lord. So let's say you and I were at a coffee shop, and I mentioned to you this idea that I'm, I found in Scripture that not only did Christ die for me, but I died with him. What are some additional things that you would say to me that we haven't covered? We need to see that there's the discovery of this truth, which is in Scripture, very profound, but also the need to appropriate it by faith. So you and I have talked about Romans 6 a number of times and how in Romans 6, 6, knowing this, that the old man has been, past tense, crucified with Christ. But then as we go on in the passage, it says, count this to be true personally. And so I think we will be talking about what this means, and we will probably illustrate it because we love to use our mentor Charles Solomon's line diagrams as we talk about these themes, which are, are on our website and in, uh, in our literature. But then the, the need to, to claim this by faith, because although it's real in us in a spiritual sense, for that to impact our mind, will, and emotions, and for us to unveil that new identity, we need to discover how to claim it by faith. Because the fact is, we, we need to die to the natural in order to live in the supernatural. And I think for a lot of us, again, going back to what you have said earlier, we're striving and trying so hard to do something. But what you just read is a great reminder of Romans 6.6, 6, that that old nature, that old man, has been rendered inoperative. It, it doesn't work. And as I was, I was thinking about that, the old man being crucified puts an end to that old life. And, and here's the reason I say that. I hear a lot of people say this to me, John. They'll say, well, that's just who I am. Maybe it's they're arrogant. Maybe they're negative. Maybe they're skeptical. But the comeback is always, well, that's just who I am. But that's not who you are in Christ because that old person was crucified with Christ. And I think that's why this is so important that we're talking about this because that excuse of, well, that's how my family is, that's how my mama was, that's how my grandmother was, all of that should not be true for those who are in Christ. We talk so much about identity these days, don't we, Mark, about gender identity or ethnicity or uh, being identified by a favorite sports team, for better or for worse. But as you've mentioned, our identity really comes from our spiritual life. And if we're in Christ, we have a new spiritual identity. And all those other factors may be aspects of our version of the flesh or our, our body or even our social context. They don't define us. So when you and I speak to people and help them who are being burdened by shame of abuse, for example, or maybe guilt for someone speaking uh, to me recently about um, the grief over an abortion uh, that was accomplished years ago and how those things can define a person's life where they live under the shadow of that guilt and shame. But we're talking about how the cross not only pardons us of our sin, but through our co-crucifixion with Christ— we become identified with him in his death. And what that does is it severs us from that old identity so that now we can appropriate that new life we have in him. And John, we've, we've touched on this already, but I want to ask this as a specific question because this is a question that we get asked a lot. And it really is 
how is this possible? I mean, are you are you saying that, you know, somehow I was put in a time machine and I was taken back, you know, thousands of years to actually be crucified with Christ? So when we talk about that and we get that question, how do you answer that? One way we address that, Mark, is to go to Romans chapter 5, verse 12 to the end of the chapter, and we kind of do a verse-by-verse study, and we realize this is very profound uh, revelation, and so we're students of this like everyone else. But here we see that the first way we address that question is, what does it mean for us to be in Adam in terms of our natural birth? And we look at how our human life came from our parents and grandparents all the way back. If you dial it all the way back to Genesis um, chapter 1 to 3, we were in Adam and Eve in their gene pool at the beginning of history. So we let that profound concept kind of sink in. Then we add an additional dimension that Romans five twelve to 14 describes, and that is that when Adam sinned, it didn't just affect him. It affected us because he represented us. So we are considered condemned in him. And so Romans five twelve to the end of the chapter talks about the bad news of being identified in Adam. But the exciting part, Mark, is that the contrast to that is that we're in Christ. We are not condemned. We're justified. And those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through Jesus Christ. So we uh, let Romans 5 lead into Romans 6 with these profound truths of our co-crucifixion and our co-resurrection. You've mentioned Romans 6 several times, and it is such a powerful chapter. And I'm looking even here, verse 3, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Verse 4, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. This is a very profound concept, not only biblically and theologically, Mark, but also practically when it comes to counseling, which is one of our callings here at Grace Fellowship. We've had people that have come for personal help that have spent tens of thousands of dollars on psychologically-based counseling, and then when they understand this truth and the implications about how to have victory and how to live out of a new identity and have a new source, they kind of realize, oh, no, I spent all that money on self-improvement, and God doesn't want me to try to improve my flesh. He wants me to exchange it for my new identity in Christ. So this has really significant implications, doesn't it, Mark, in terms of pastoral care and counsel? It does, and I think it's also good that we remind people that Christ did not come to patch up something. He did not come to polish up something. There is a death And Dr. Solomon would say this too, and I've heard you say this, not many people want to be crucified. Not many people want to die, but it is out of that death that something new is going to arise. It's such a profound paradox where our Lord says if we try to save our life, we end up losing it. But if we lose our life for Christ's sake, we end up discovering it. And I think one application of that concept is that when we give up on our self-sufficiency, and discover our co-crucifixion and co-resurrection with Christ, then we discover life with a capital L, that life more abundant that Jesus promises. Yeah, because this is really not more doing, but a divine dying. And you're right. Even I was thinking Jesus said to the disciples, right, if you want to be my disciple, you have to take up your what? Your cross. you got to deny yourself, and you have to take up your cross. Well, how is self-denied? Through the cross, through the dying 
And, um, you know, and, and even as I think about that, I think about the idea, even we go back to Galatians 2.20, that I was crucified with Christ. That means all of the I life. How am I going to figure this out? How am I going to do this? All of that has also been crucified. And Christ in and through us is how we, that is, he and that's that participation and that cooperation is going to be able to accomplish all of those fears that I have put into you. So there's the identity aspect of our being united with Christ in his death, but also there's the daily aspect of helping unpack that in terms of some of the things you've just been mentioning, Mark. As you've delved into some of what Hugel was writing in his book, Bone of His Bone, what are some of the things you noticed about what it means to experience the cross. It's a real ripple effect, isn't there? It is. I love one of the things that he talks about, which I think is really important for us to note here, and that is we don't lose our personality. The, the crucifixion, our crucifixion with Christ, Galatians 2.20 says, nevertheless, I live. And I love how Hugel points that out, but also the fact that God isn't going to force us. He's appealing to us, but he's not coercing us. And the question that he proposes is, and you've mentioned it already, have we appropriated? Are we going to be, he uses the word, dominated by self or Christ? And I think that's a really great question because what we are talking about today is not true if you decide to believe. It is truth, and the question is, have you appropriated it? Have you reckoned, that's a word that we've used before, but to count it to be true personally for you, that yes, Jesus died on the cross, and his blood covers our sin. But we died on the cross with him, And it is the cross that's covering us, the sinner. As we talk about the daily aspect, Mark, some of these things you're saying, we realize that our obstacles, our stumbling blocks are often sin, self, strongholds, Satan, society, all start with us. And we would say the cross is the answer for each one of those. Through the cross, we have total pardon. Sin is is forgiven and the authority of sin is canceled, right? The end of Romans 6, we are freed from sin's authority. In terms of self, God's given us a new identity in Christ. In terms of the enemy, we see that through our co-resurrection and co-ascension, which is a topic of a future broadcast, we'll talk about our authority over our spiritual enemies. And also society, the Bible calls that the world, tries to press us into its mold. What do you have to say about how we're freed from that kind of group think which uh, tends to mold us into um, living a lot of our old identity. Yeah, and th- this is a good transition to even talk about some practical things because uh, I'll mention these four and then we can break them down here in just a second. But Hugel talks about the fact that in Christ, we're dead to sin. In Christ, we are dead to the world. In Christ, we have died to party spirit. We'll jump into that one. And then in Christ, we have died to the law. And so when you go back to the first one, when he talks about in Christ, we are dead to sin. I love what he says here. He says, sin isn't overcome simply by struggling against it. 
And I think that is so important because how many people that are listening have said, I am going to try harder not to look at that image on the screen, not to do this, not to do that. And they've had no luck because they don't have the power to do that. And I know we've mentioned this already, but you know, that old life has been crucified. This is why Jesus says that we had to be born again. But what do you think about that? In Christ, we are dead to sin. We also want to describe what we mean by dead. It doesn't mean that we're not tempted. It doesn't mean that we're sinless, but it means we're freed from its authority. We're reminded of, during the Civil War, the Emancipation Proclamation, talking about slaves being freed. And But those slaves would need to discover that good news and believe it and act upon it. So we're saying that, yes, we still have the flesh and the spirit in that tension. We still... Uh, need to to put off sinful choices. But the exciting thing about it is the new potential we have to be characterized by loving God and loving others as we love ourselves, which is really what God's righteousness is all about. The second part here, he says, in Christ we are dead to the world. Of course, the Bible talks about this idea that friendship with the world is enmity uh, with God. And so we also know the idea that we are, of course, in the world, but we're not to be um, of the world. And so what are some things that jump out to you about that? Our Lord was tempted by Satan directly, who promised Jesus the kingdoms of this world if Jesus would fall down and worship the enemy. That's the enemy's ultimate goal, not only to divert our worship from God, but to receive worship. But the Lord thankfully uh, refused that temptation because God the Father had a better timetable and a more complete provision in that way. And so just as Jesus turned away from the false, temporary, deceptive offers of the world, so you and I need to realize that we're not just tourists, we're pilgrims. And our citizenship is not primarily in this world, but our citizenship is in heaven. Does that mean that we're so earthly, what's the saying, that we're so heavenly minded, we're of no earthly good? Not at all. Uh, like like Daniel, like Joseph, we can be used of God tremendously to make this world a better place, but it's going to be in a Christ-centered way. Yeah. Galatians 6.14, But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. The third one he talks about is, and this is this is a good one, in Christ, we die to party spirit. And here's what he's talking about. In Christ, there is no Jew or Greek. And here's what F.J. Hugel says, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to agree with him. Division is the flesh. Division is the old self. And so we have also got to die to these divisive spirits. And we cannot have Christ if we will not have his cross. And on that cross, here's what he says, was slain all racial enmity. That is so powerful. Has huge implications, Mark, for peace in the Middle East, peace in our country. And we do have this tendency as human beings to be like sheep, right, that kind of go uh, with the herd, go with the flock, and especially now with social media where people have such peer pressure to agree or else to be unfriended or worse, uh, vilified. And so there's a real temptation to just go with the flow where Jesus says we need to um, realize that sometimes we're going to be 
persecuted, will be at at odds with the world, but that's because um, he's called us to stand for virtues that the world may not agree with. I love one of the things that Dr. Solomon would say a lot when he would say, the flesh is always the root problem. The cross is always the ultimate answer. And I think that is that is so true. And in fact, uh, I'm, I'm looking here in, in one of his books, Discipling the Desperate. Uh, here's what Dr. Solomon says. Uh, he says, The way of the cross is also the highway of holiness, which is transversed by faith. Though all believers have been crucified with Christ, that's Romans 6.6, 6, a small minority have reckoned it to be true in their experience, Romans 6.11. Therefore, the majority of Christians are living substandard spiritual lives and have not experienced sanctification by faith or true discipleship in accordance with Luke 14.27. I love the title of that book of testimonies, Mark, Discipling the Desperate, and also it's often when we are desperate due to trying to overcome life's problems in our own strength that we're more receptive to these profound truths that we're unpacking today. The last one that F.J. Hugel mentions is, in Christ we have died to the law. We are not under the law. We're under grace. We're governed by Holy Spirit. He is leading us. He, he really should be the one telling us where to go, what to do, what to say, and and that is something that we see a battle in the church today, don't we, John, is that those who are living under the law and those who are living under grace. Indeed. We would point to Galatians, where it says in chapter 3, you Galatians started off in the Spirit, but now you're trying to be made perfect by the flesh, and that doesn't work. And so Romans chapter 7, we point our listeners to this very important chapter, It flows out of chapter 6, which is about our topic today, being co-crucified and set free in Christ. But Romans 7 says, if I try to live in self-effort under the law, I'm going to be miserable. I'm going to end up like Paul, who I believe here is reflecting on his journey through this process as a saved Pharisee, where I would say, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And then the Lord answers, praise be to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Romans 8.1 starts in a very victorious way, doesn't it, Mark? Yeah, and such a powerful verse that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And as we let the Holy Spirit take control, it says in Romans 8, that we end up doing the righteous requirements of the law, but not out of trying to measure up to some standard externally or to trying to achieve righteousness, but because I've been given the gift of righteousness and the Holy Spirit is living through me, And that's going to show up in the fruit of the Spirit, loving God and loving others. So being freed from the law doesn't mean it's a license to sin, but rather we are freed to let God's grace be demonstrated through love and through the fruit of the Spirit. Well, usually at this time we have a glimpse of grace. And I want to read this one because it really stood out to me, Uh, a man who was a medical doctor as well as a pastor. And listen to what he says. I cannot remember when I did not believe in God, nor a time I did not know that Christ Jesus is God himself and that he was raised from the dead. As a teenager, I remembered the joyous security I had because Christ was in my life. Yet there seemed to be an incompleteness somehow, a yearning for something more, 
It was in my 30s when the revelation hit me that God intended more than his being in my life and my having to do all the religious stuff that tradition calls for. It was his foredained plan that Christ should be my life and that I would come to realize and experience that the normal Christian life is not I, but Christ, with nothing seducing me away from the simplicity which is in Christ, 2 Corinthians 11.3. For the very first time, I then came to know that Christ not only died for me, but as me, and the life I now lived, I lived by the very faith of Jesus himself. He mentions the mission clinic located in their home south of Atlanta. He says it's for those who are between jobs, those without insurance, those in need of second medical opinions, or those who have tried the world system of medicine and have not found the answer to the problems. Payment for services is not required. Body, soul, and spirit are brought into focus through the cross where discernment and direction for healing is given. And he mentions the fact that he's been practicing medicine since the 50s, two years of which were spent working with leprosy patients in the South Pacific, 23 years with maximum security prisoners and AIDS patients. But then he ends by saying uh, he and, and his wife, of over uh, 31 years at the writing of this, he says, the Holy Spirit has continued progressively to reveal Christ as life as we live him out and teach the in Christ truth. From our spiritual journeys, we could share with you the miraculous things Christ has done in and through us. What an encouraging example, Mark. Um, Dr. Ira Slade, his story that you've been reading about is with the Lord now. And as he visited us here at Grace Fellowship, to hear about God's living in and through him in these ways was so inspirational to us. So powerful. Anything else you want to share with us before we leave today? Well, in some circles, this message of the cross will seem too simplistic or certainly countercultural. But the Apostle Paul dealt with that resistance in Athens when he preached the gospel, and then in Corinth right after that in the book of Acts. And when he writes to the Corinthian church, he says that, that this is not about the wisdom of this world, but rather the cross is actually the wisdom and power of God. And Mark, when we explain and apply and illustrate the message of the cross, which we're talking about in these four broadcasts, this is the good news that has often been used of God to transform people and set them free from years of life-controlling problems. So it's not only profound theology, but it's wonderfully relevant in terms of personal ministry. That's true. And if you have questions, please reach out to us. Maybe as you've listened today, this has caused you some questions or you want to go deeper. Please reach out to us. Hello at gracefellowshipinternational.com and let's set up a time where you can talk with me or with Dr. John Woodward and let us help you because we really do want to guide you into a complete and victorious identity in Christ. Amen. Look forward to looking at some of the related topics next time. It's going to be a great study for sure. And before we go, just wanted to remind you, if you are enjoying this podcast, and we hope you are, uh, we would love for you to like it, subscribe to it, and share it with all of those that you have relationships with. And then also, we would love to hear from you. Uh, you don't have to have a question to send us an email, uh, but maybe just let us know who you are, where you're listening from, how this podcast is uh, helping you. We would love to hear those stories as well. 
Thanks for listening, friends. Great to be with you today. Thank you for listening to Glimpses of Grace. We pray today guided you into a more complete and victorious identity in Christ. If you would like more information about Grace Fellowship International, please visit us online at www.gracefellowshipinternational.com. If you would like to contact us, please send us an email, hello at gracefellowshipinternational.com. We hope you have a great day.